Hey, everybody. Welcome to season two of the Open to Wonder podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Karen. When you think about faith practices, activities like praying, worship, and reading the Bible might come to mind. But did you know that listening, celebrating, and wonder are also faith practices and that there are dozens more? When repeated regularly, faith practices help us grow in our love for God and our neighbors. They help us become more like Jesus, and they even help us become more attentive to the Holy Spirit. And faith practices, they're for ordinary people of all ages, no matter where they are on their faith journey. We're so excited to share with you the conversations we've had with this season's guests. You'll hear stories of their faith practices and struggles, along with their ideas for a small step you can take to weave faith practices into your daily life. So pull up a seat and wonder with us. Open to Wonder, the Faith Practices Edition starts now. As a child, Lib Caldwell was introduced to the spiritual practice of wonder by her mother, a woman who loved earthworms in the garden, who set up art easels in the kitchen, and who believed in the power of spontaneous prayer. As an adult, Reverend Dr. Elizabeth Caldwell taught for 30 years at McCormick Theological Seminary in Chicago, and then, after moving to Nashville, continued teaching part-time as adjunct faculty at Vanderbilt Divinity School. Her most recent book for adults is called I Wonder, Engaging a Child's Curiosity About the Bible, and it's one I recommend all the time to pastors, parents, and ministry leaders. Along with Carol Wareheim, Caldwell is the editor and author, with the help, she says, of many friends, of the fabulous book for children called Growing in God's Love, a Story Bible. She's also the co-author of the children's picture book, God's Big Plan. During our conversation, we talk about wonder and the fear of it, how three-year-olds can be theologians, and a simple step you can take to invite more wonder into your life. Our delightful conversation with Elizabeth Caldwell is coming up next. So, Liv Caldwell, we are so grateful that you have taken time out of your day to um, explore wonder with us and wonder with us. Um, and so I just want to start with, you know, when when Chris and I read your work, for both children and adults, um, we see wonder woven into every single page. It's the approach that you take. And so we're curious about the role that wonder has played in your life. And we're wondering how you became aware of wonder as an intentional practice. Well, that, you know, it's your, um, it's your phrase wonder as an intentional practice, because, um, I'm not sure I was really aware of that, mm. but but you see it. So I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, and my mother um, was a natural um, lover of children and enabling children's wonder. So gardening mm-hmm. and spending time in the garden and and 
I didn't particularly like earthworms because I thought they were yucky. <laughs> and, and, and 10th grade biology didn't help. Um, <laughs> it was a dissection process for me to love earthworms anymore because then they were giant earthworms. But she would always pick one up and hold it in her hands. And she was a biology major in college. And she said, oh, Lib, these are... These are, these are so important to the garden and these help the garden and the dirt get air and they move around and they're our friends. And so she loved uh, earthworms. And then when I got to be three, she decided that she'd better start teaching Sunday school because she wanted to know what they were gonna be teaching. I was mm. the first born child. And, and for four years, I was an only child until my brother was born. And I think she was just curious about what are they going to be teaching my daughter? And, I, right. and it really matters. And so she got involved teaching three-year-olds and that's what she did the rest of her life in a, in the church school and then in a weekday program. And her, her approach to teaching was really wonder-based, I think. Wow. Mm. Um, I can remember I was 14, uh, 12 and 14 when my younger brother and sister were born. And I came home from school one day and there was the easel set up in the kitchen for my sister to be to paint while my mother was making dinner because she wanted her, Kathy wanted to be close to her and she wanted Kat, she wanted just art materials and supplies. So I was in this environment of um, openness and wonder um, invitation. Um, mm-hmm. And when I think when you're nurtured in that environment, um, I think like they say about language when, you know, like I grew up in Memphis and and then I lived in Chicago 30 years and somebody said, well, you don't sound like you live in Chicago. I said, well, I think some things are so embedded in your speech patterns that even that, even if you live outside of the South, for example, it, it doesn't change that too much. So how much is embedded in the ways our brains work mm. by that nature experience with my mother of experiencing God's presence. And so she she believed in spontaneous prayer. So in the garden, well, thank you, God, for earthworms. And so that's what she would try to teach parents, that prayer is not something out there that right. you enforce or you have to read or you have to memorize, but it can be this spontaneous connection to God's work as creator. So I think for me, beginning theologically, and for children today, if you begin with God, God's work in creation, mm-hmm. such an easy entry into wonder and questions. Right. Mm. I, it, it, it does, uh, to me, seem like a, an easy place to enter into wonder, but I'm also aware um, that not all Christians embrace wonder. In fact, there's some skepticism or even fear of wonder. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm curious in your experience, having you know, taught as a, a professor of pastoral theology, and you're trying to help shape it. How do you respond to those who say, oh, "Can we trust wonder? Is it actually a good thing?" Mm-hmm. What, what do you What do you do in response to that? You know, that is such a great question, and I've never been asked that question. I just, I love it. I love it. <laughs> you know, um, I've been retired. Um, so I retired here after teaching 30 years at McCormick, and then I started teaching at Vanderbilt Divinity School, and they needed somebody in religious education, so I taught there for about seven years, and then finally in 20, you know, that's it. I'm done, um, and I look back over those years, and I'm thinking, um, some people really need right answers, and some people have been educated by the church that a Bible story 
is a story that we tell and it has right answers. And the Bible is a book of answers. And if you just know the answers, then that's what you need. Mm-hmm. So I think when, when people are, that is their religious education experience, then they don't trust wonder because wonder invites you to ask a question and to wrestle with a question and to say, well, what do you think? Well, I don't know what I think because nobody's told me what I think. Mm-hmm. And so in some ways, I think our wonderful programs of religious education, which you all do and I do as a Presbyterian all these years, but have we helped parents and teachers wrestle with their own questions? And, mm-hmm. and I guess what I see today in the culture, what's going on with young adults particularly is rejecting that model that they're confirmation model that here are the answers here's what you need to know here are the answers I'm going to tell you what to think and then they reject it and they don't know how to replace it with anything because they haven't been taught to wonder with a question Hmm. Sandy Sasso has these great questions you know Sandy Sasso the children's author Rabbi Sandy Eisenberg Sasso one of my favorite probably my favorite children's author um and she she talks about um um these these questions that en- enable a child to think about a text. Well, what do you think is the most important thing in the story? Where are you in the story? Is everything in the story um, needed today, or would you? Is there something you would like to leave out? Some mm. of these radical questions. Mm. And then when we ask a child to think about a question and bring their own questions, then we're opening up a world that that some people are afraid of. Because if I'm a teacher or the parent and I don't know the answer, if we could just let go of I've got to have the answer, then maybe mm-hmm. the wonder could happen to say, well, it's all right. It's always OK to say, well, I don't know, but maybe we could find that out together or maybe we could wonder about this this week. Maybe we could talk about that question every night at dinner, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> yeah. What do you yeah. think, Chris? I mean, in your experience or Karen? Yeah, I, you know, that's, it's one I struggle with. Um, I, myself, I enjoy, uh, I enjoy the wondering. I talk about imagination as the first toy um, that I had. Uh, uh, And, and so for me personally, I, I go there, but I also recognize the environment I've been brought up in um, does lean into those answers and what we're, um, what we're judged on quite often is do we know the answer and and not um not that practice of do we know how to ask good questions right and i i i would love to be in a space where the the question um the way we ask questions and the way we encourage questions would actually be emphasized more Um, and i i think that's that's one of the places our our churches struggle with in terms of discipleship these days is around that relationship between question and answer. Um, Yeah. 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 yeah, Go ahead, Karen. Well, I was just going to say, you know, I think as it, from a parent perspective and as, as an educator, I, so I know, and I've learned more and more since now that my kids are young adults and adults, the importance of wonder and that wonder actually, um, 
it grows faith. Like it, it invites you to sit inside God's story and look around and connect it with your own life. But I, I, it feels to me, my experience was, you know, when my kids were young or, or, you know, talking to friends who had little kids, when, when kids or teens would ask wondering questions, I think what takes place in the heart of a parent is this fear that, oh, if I answer it wrong, or if yeah. I don't give a firm answer, what if I, what if, what if they run away from faith? What if they turn away from God? And so the response is you just want to you want to tie it up with a bow and give them the answer to hold them when, when what I've learned is that's actually not helpful to their, their faith formation. It's more helpful to wonder along with them in the ways that you have described that that is what is going to grow their faith, right? We can't hold them down. Yep. And so maybe the, the issue is it's, it's not as much children, but it is working with parents and teachers mm-hmm. and their own faith, because I love that you're, um, uh, affir- they want a firm, an- should I give a firm answer? Yeah. And if you think developmentally about children, and maybe we need to do more with that too, um, three-year-olds are my favorite group, like my mom, because they have such wonderful responses, you know, mm-hmm. and, and they are, they're, I think they're such incredible theologians because they don't have any filters and they and their and their imaginations, like 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 you, Chris, your first toy was your imagination. That they're that that's their gift. They you know it's like what's the movie that's out there? The little Hispanic girl. It's uh, it's, I think it's a Disney movie, and she okay. she wonders what her gift is. Everybody, can oh see yeah, oh and Canto, 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 yes, yeah. you can edit yeah. this in Canto, and she she didn't get her gift, and she yes. her gift is so. So the gift of three-year-olds is this wonder. And then and then and goes back to, to five-year-olds. And then we have this window from five to seven. And then all of a sudden, as they get abstract thinking level and, and moving out of concrete level, thinking into abstract thinking, you know, they're still in concrete level before they move into middle, middle school, like 10 years old when they get abstract thinking. But then they then they want right answers. Yeah. And then middle schools, Middle school is a window of possibility again, but um, it depends on how you invite them, you know, yeah. into a conversation or into their questions. And and then you've got high schoolers with one foot out the door. And if you get them confirmed, so if we give them firm answers and then all of a sudden they start to question because they're around people who might not believe what they believe and they don't know how to answer them. Right. Um, and if we haven't helped them nurture that wonder ability that was there at three and keep it alive. You know, that, that, that leads me to our next question, Liv, which I think you, you've started to answer and, you know, in the opening pages of your book, I wonder, Mm -hmm. um, you talk about how that you say that the chance to wonder about the Bible as they wander through their life is essential for a child's spiritual formation. Um, so I'm wondering, you know, what 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 makes wonder so essential for a child's spiritual formation, and I mean, an adult too. You know, you've you've just touched on how um, then once they get to middle school and teens and young adulthood, and now they're starting to question. Um, so it sounds like wonder is important for us as adults too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I I think. Um... I think for me, when I think about wonder, the next word I put next to it is pause. Mm. Because I think um, 
wonder requires uh, slowing down and pausing. And it's not something our culture encourages no. um, at all. It it's um, because our, our our culture. I don't. I'm not not so sure about where you are, Karen, in Ontario. But here, and maybe it's the same way. It's the culture is fast paced. Yeah. Um, everything has to move quickly. Um, children have to be uh, busy all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's a good thing. Um, that's a good thing to help them find their interests and what they like to do. But when do we pause? Um, when do we pause to notice? Um, I mean, just the habits of the heart. Um, mm. Like you're talking about, but the things that you are looking at in these uh, spiritual formations, the, the power of uh, listening and celebrating and service and remembering and wonder. So I think um, it, it requires a step back to saying, well, how busy am I in my life? And what time is there for wondering? Is there a day or is there a moment during the day when we just intentionally uh, pause? Yeah. No, I mean, I love the ancient spiritual practice of the examine where mm -hmm. you you know, um, you, you you look back at the day and where did you see God's love? Where did you give God's love? Or with children, uh, thorns, roses, and buds, you know, yep. Yep. thorns, yeah. roses, and buds. Um, I used to do this with my 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 adults in, in the class, you know, when we had to do this by Zoom two years ago, this children and families class. It's okay, thorns, roses, and buds. And here they were around my screen, you know, 12 young adults and, and living you know, going to class on Zoom because they couldn't be in person and thorns, roses and buds and they just got into it. And they, yeah. you know, um, what are the things you're looking forward to? Um, and what's the thorny stuff and um, what's the happy stuff? Um, it's, it's, it's those practices um, that connect into that spiritual place in your life. And do you have any time mm -hmm. for it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe some people, you know, when you think about what spiritual practices are, I mean, Bible reading and prayer is right at the top of the list, right? But yep. some people are so, back to your question, Chris, you know, some people are afraid to wonder because they don't know how to read the Bible or they mm -hmm. think like they need yep. this firm right answer like you've talked about, Karen. But really it's a matter of being open um, it's being open and finding some kind of practice that connects you to God's spirit. Mm -hmm. And I, don't you think that's different for everybody? I mean, some people love to walk labyrinths. I don't know. Right. I don't love a labyrinth. I, I, I like to write a lot and I've tried journaling, <laughs> but, but um, you know, maybe my practice is gardening. Um, right. Um, maybe my practice is sitting at my sewing machine, which I was doing earlier this morning, and there's a bird feeder outside in the garden, like I just we were talking about before we started. You know, watching up, watching the um, columbines emerge from the soil, mm -hmm. and looking out and seeing the first blooms. You yep. know, and saying thank you, God, for this day. Mm. Yeah. Don't you think it has to do with that spontaneity of yeah. of, um, of acknowledging wonder? Yeah. And acknowledging God's presence connected to wonder. Um, yeah, one one of the things we've been talking about when we when on our team when we talk about faith practices, we say that they're training us to be attentive to the spirit. Mm 
Yeah. So it, it's uh, not that the practice is an end in itself, right. but we're learning through the practices to be attentive to the spirit. And I think that makes more room for the um, the spontaneity that you're saying for observing something yes. uh, in the day and going, oh, I think that was God at work around us. I well, think God's working here. Don't you think it's that naming that people don't know how to do? Yeah. Right. yeah. They don't know how to name it. Yep. bring it and bring it to words or like you just said it's not an end in itself but don't you think i think mm-hmm. i won't, I, won't I think sometimes church <laughs> school is an end in itself if, if i just bring my child to church school and they learn about jesus mm-hmm. and they get the old testament stories then i've done my job and i get them confirmed and then and then my work is done it's an end in itself. And right. then a lot of times that's when you see when the kids graduate from high school and they, we confirm them out the door yeah. And the parents go out the door too because been there, done that. That's my job. My job is done. Yeah. And it's an end in itself. And yeah. I think, you know, back when I worked on a book called Making a Home for Faith years and years ago, it was so funny because I look back at it now and thinking what I was advocating for was that parents are the spiritual partners with their children. They're the best mm. teachers of their children, not just us in the Sunday school, because they live with them seven days a week. And they know when when the grandmother dies or the or the or the beloved dog or goldfish that they're they have to be there. They have to be the spiritual per- partners with their children. And here we were in the pandemic and asking them to be that and do that. And they're worn out because right. of everything else. And so when did when did when did faith become an end in itself mm-hmm. that is something we teach yeah. like you said chris and and it's not um i mean i, I just see all these young adults wrestling with questions because they never yeah. got a chance to yeah to ask them anywhere else yes yeah yeah i you know i i think um i mean part of what we're saying here is these practices of being attentive to the spirit, of making room, of pausing. I like that word that you used, Lib. Um, pausing just to, to uh-huh. let whatever surface and give us room to observe things. Um, I wonder what that practically looks like for you. I mean, you mentioned sewing and looking out the window at your garden. Um, you've mentioned gardening. Are there other ways that you find that have been helpful to you to get to that pay, that space of pausing or of encouraging your own wonder to surface? It's a great question. Um, I think slowing down, um, and I know that's not easy for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was pretty, um, you know, I worked, you know, 50 years full time. Mm-hmm. And the time I had for pausing was, you know, I got home from work at the end of the day or on a weekend. And so I had to fit stuff in. But now in this wonderful thing they call whatever retirement looks like, and I keep feeling it, I keep feeling at it. Um, it's a choice about time and how I use time. And every day looks different to me. Of course, that's the way it was when I worked too. I, I would have been horrible in a job that had to do the same thing every day. Um, but um, trying to be for me to be more intentional about um, engagement with others, mm-hmm. um, conversation. Um, <laughs> I was on my way to go buy some plants last week, and I drove through um, to get a, a yogurt at McDonald's through the window. Mm-hmm. And 
and decided to speak to the person, you know, mm. how are you doing today? I figure all they do is take orders. What a job. Yeah. Oh, you know, and she, and she signed, she, and she told me a story mm. and, and, you know, and I said, well, I hope the day gets better for you. And she <laughs> smiled and said, thank you. Have a good one. I thought, well, I never used to do that because I was just too busy. Right. Yeah. Too busy. Um, so intentionally trying to, um, you know, to have a work, you know, just to be open to others um, um, is one thing I've been trying to do. And of course, during the pandemic and when Nashville locked down for three months and, um, and, you know, we joked at my, my age group, we'd never be let out of our house again. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> we would ne- they would never let us out. out yeah. of our age group. Never let us out again. And we all joked about it, but I live with all these neighbors around me and, um, um, and I, I'm in a big condo neighborhood. There are like 130 units and there are 11 of these units. So they're just, it's a really big open space, lots of green space. And my family gave me a KitchenAid mixer for my birthday uh, in January of 70. I, uh, maybe 70, uh, what, what are, 2022, 2000, 2009, 2020. Mm-hmm. Gave me, and so I started making bread and I'd always wanted to make bread. Mm. One of the ways I survived the pandemic was uh, making bread and giving it away to neighbors and talking, walk up and we could stand appropriately distanced, you know, and masked. Mm -hmm. And and then people started um, bringing me soup. You know, it's kind of a stone soup story. And stuff started appearing on my patio table. And um, so what was the question again? How how does (laughs) it Have I gone so far away from the question? No, I actually think you're getting at it, Lib. Yeah. Is uh, what what does this actually look like in practice? Like drink um, um, to wonder, and and I I love how your natural response to this is to start talking about slowing down enough to pay attention to other people. Yeah, um, that's a that's a really powerful direction for wonder. Yeah, to lead us towards being attentive to the people around us. Yeah, I mean, you know, the thing about when my nephew, my sister would bring her um, her two-year-old um, to Chicago to see me, and we would walk to the Greek restaurant with my mother, the three, the four of us, to get breakfast, and because it, it was just like three blocks, you know, mm-hmm. to this great Greek restaurant to get eggs and bacon and fruit, and Josh was two, and so it would a 15-minute walk, and he's two, and you know, two-year-olds don't walk to mm. get somewhere right they walk and because of the way his mind worked every gas meter that he found he had to stop and examine mm-hmm. the gas meter um and look at it well the walk would take us 30 minutes although we're never going to get there we're never right. <laughs> and he he explored so he's now a daddy and he brought his he brought his his baby daughter um baby daughter to see my sister and I got I got down there too, and um, and there she is, another little, you know, his daughter, uh, their daughter, he and his partner's daughter, um, this beautiful child. And I'm thinking she's just at the age when he was wondering uh, about mm-hmm. how things work. And he's an engineer now, of course. Yeah, he lives in Michigan, uh-huh. <laughs> and um, um, and so it's this, you, it's that two year old sense of wonder and awe, and maybe we forget we forget just the nature of um, pausing and slowing down mm-hmm. and maybe not having that thing that, that has to be done. Um, the end in itself thing you were talking about, Chris, but um, yep. 
Um, so walking became, you know, everybody, you know, was concerned about exercise, how many pounds they gained during the pandemic. And do you walk to, for me, um, after my husband died and he died the summer of 19, I started walking in this park and I'm, it would save to my life mm. to notice what was around me, the wildflowers, uh, the deer that would come up. Um, if, and I didn't have to make the, the path and do it in a certain amount of time. Yep. You know, I wasn't measuring it on a Fitbit. I mean, a lot of people do that. Yeah. Yeah. What if you didn't measure it by a Fitbit? What if you just did it because it connected you to God's beautiful world? Mm. I don't know. I mean, I used to start yeah. class sometimes and say, take off all representations of time and put them in a basket. Well, today I couldn't do that because. They're everywhere, you know. Right. All representations of time off. And yeah. I'll, I'll manage the time for you today, but and, t- and you know now you'd have to collect all the cell phones right. and everything. And let me manage time for you in this class we've got. It's it sounds like Lib. I was gonna, you know, we when we're having these conversations with people, we always try and end by asking our guests to just give like one practical way for our listeners to become more intentional about practicing, um, in this case, wonder. And it sounds like I'm hearing you talk about pause, Yeah. forget about time for yeah. a portion of your day. Yeah. Um, notice. Yeah. Is there anything you'd add to that? Yeah. It's that whole Kairos Kronos thing, the balance mm-hmm. of time, you know, the, the Kairos, God's time, holy time, Kronos, um, you know, so I think a simple practice, put it away. Yeah. yeah. She's holding up her phone. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, have you noticed how we, when people come together, they've always got their fun with them? I know. Is that happening to you? Oh, yeah. Dinner table? Yeah. yeah. Everybody, yeah. if something comes up, they want to look it up immediately. Yeah. Well, let me look it up. Yeah. I worship. Yeah. Let me look it up. Well, yes. what if a practice was... And this would really be hard with teenagers, but let's all turn our phones off. Let's just turn them off. Yeah. Let's have a meal together. Now, I know everybody talks about how hard that is, but what if one night a week? Mm. And of course, you know, I know if things are dire, things are happening, somebody's in the hospital and you can't, but what if we just... And or you had a group of friends over for dinner. What if you agreed that we're not going to keep our phones on? Yeah. Do you think, I mean, I think for me that relates to wonder and conversation and connecting and and God's presence at our table, a meal um, together. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think you're right. Um, and I, I think that's uh, it, it, even by saying, what if one night of week you're inviting us to imagine and wonder about yeah. a new way of engaging together? Right. And, and yeah. I think that's that's a helpful posture. Yeah. Or and then and then a conversation. I mean, y'all do so many creative things for families. You know, I've used some of your things for years. Um, but you know, a bowl on the table with some inviting questions, some yeah. wondering questions. Yep. And and everybody could then and there's some and there's some little tabs that are blank and everybody could you know write a question and then you've got enough for a month and right I mean I had lunch with friends yesterday and um, at a restaurant and and this person said 
Um, how have you been changed um, by the by the by the pandemic? Mm. Just started the conversation, and all of a sudden, I thought, "Oh wow!" Just to you know, um, I don't I have Alexa, and she has question of the day. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And my sister does a Bible study every every Tuesday at noon, uh, looking at the text the next Sunday, and so she started doing a question of the day that relates to the text that we're talking about, right. and so. Um, a question of a day that invites us to wonder either about our day, what we've seen, what we've experienced. Um, um, and then you can back your way into it if you really wanted to. Right. Does this remind you? Does this remind you of any story in the Bible? Right. Mm. Right. Does this remind you of anything that you've heard or read? Um, that they might that might be too hard for some people. And again, you know, if, if parents say, oh, I don't know what a Bible story is, I, you know, that would be too yeah. dangerous for me. Mm-hmm. But it's back to that where we started about um, um, why are some people afraid to embrace wonder? Yeah. Yeah. And what I love, um, what I love is that you can't Google the answers to those questions. So it's okay if your phones are gone, because when someone asks you, how has the pandemic changed you or what, how does this remind you of, of this Bible story or where, what, you know, um, you can't Google that. Lib, we are so grateful that you are failing terribly at retirement (laughs) because it allowed you to spend this time with us today. Y'all are great. This is so much fun. (laughs) This was a gift. This is a gift. Thank you for the encouragement to wonder. Thank you for the practical ideas. Um, Lib's books and resources will be in our show notes. So folks can look those up too. And we encourage you to do so. Thank you. And we hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks so much. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening today. If you are interested in learning more about faith practices and how they can help you grow in love for God and your neighbors, be sure to check out the Faith Practices Project at crcna.com org backslash faith practices project connect with us on facebook and instagram at crc faith formation on twitter at crc underscore ffm or by email at faithformation at crcna.org you'll find links to all of the above and more in our show notes until next time let's keep practicing <laughs>